Welcome. How is Revolution Church doing this morning? Are we good? Are we good? I'm excited to be in God's house today and to be able to just celebrate what God does. Um, somebody grab the lights for us there, get us going. Excellent, excellent. A um, couple things today that I kind of housekeeping things that I want to take care of. I just want to say what a phenomenal job our sound people are doing and our media people. Because think about it, those songs, let's give them a hand. Let's give them a hand. When I think about it, I think to myself, you know, I was thinking this week, if, if we couldn't worship right. You know, we, could, we, we wouldn't know the songs to sing. We know the words to say. We wouldn't be able to hear the, the instruments right, the, the people leading us. We wouldn't be able to do all of those things without those people. And I think that they have a phenomenally hard job because not only do they have to uh, change it every week, because if you haven't noticed in the past weeks, we just keep adding new people up here. So every week they're like, we need how many chords, how many instruments, how many? And it, I love it. I love the fact that God continues to send people down our path to help us do the work of the ministry. Amen. It's a phenomenal thing. I love that you guys are a part of this with me because it's a journey. And uh, I want to ask you kind of open up and start the day with this. Do you all remember being in love for the very first time? Come on, put them up, put them up. Y'all remember being in love? How many of y'all remember doing crazy stuff when you were in love? Come on, put them up. Crazy. Now, I'm not going to ask you. You don't have to worry. He's going to ask me. I'm not going to ask you. You know, I don't, I don't want to know that yet. Okay. We'll talk about that later. But uh, some of you guys, I remember, um, you know, seeing some guys, not that I've ever done anything like this, but some of you guys get so weaseled that that person so has your heart so much so that they have your heart in a way that you'll do anything. And some of y'all let, let your, let your woman put makeup on you. Okay. That's wrong. Okay. Some of y'all went crazy and you let them paint your nails and that's just wrong. All right. But, but, but why did you do that? You did it because they had your heart and you're like, okay, nobody's going to see this. We're in your house. We'll wipe it off, whatever. And these girls, I don't know why they have so much enjoyment. If you love me, you'll let me do it. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that, man. But y'all are, y'all are getting us that way. And it's just the way that it works. But I know that people, when they're in love and when somebody has your heart, you do absolutely crazy, phenomenal, out-of-this-world stuff. Like, nothing's too hard. Y'all ever been in a long-distance relationship? Put them up. Put them up. All right, long-distance. I'm, I'm checking it out there. You long-distance people are crazy, too, because what I know about you long-distance people is, is I, had a, I had a friend that was here, actually, in Texas, and he had a girlfriend that was in Ohio, and what happened with him was crazy. He, he literally, like, paid a lot of money in gas, and this kid, he... He didn't have a, like a full-time job. He had a part-time job. He was trying to get more hours, trying to get more work, didn't have a lot of money. And I remember he drove like 17 hours back to Ohio on a Friday so that he could spend Saturday with his girlfriend, who he'd been together, I don't know how long, not very long, okay, Saturday. And then Sunday he left and came back because he had to be at work on Monday and he couldn't lose that pay. And I'm going you're an idiot. <laughs> you're just an idiot. You have not been together long enough in order to do that. But, but yet, you know what he said? He said, this girl has my heart. And you know what I said to him? I said, dude, you're not going to be with her long term, man. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We're in love. Like I would do anything for her and she'd do anything for me. They just recently broke up. All right. Just kind of fill you in on that. But the point of it is, is when somebody has your heart, you'll just go overboard. Like nothing is too much. I got to say that somebody has my heart and that's my wife, Amy. I love her to death. She has my heart and she's had my heart since I was 16 years old. And she doesn't know that I'm going to do this, but I, I just wanted to do something special today. Everybody's like, oh no, the, the brown bag of death. No, I just wanted to give her some flowers. So I want to say I love her. I love you. Listen. 
our anniversary is this week, and we've celebrated eight years of marriage. And I'm just thankful that God has blessed me with that woman, because she's amazing. The stuff you see here at Revolution, if anything's good, obviously it comes from God. But man, the second place comes from Amy, all right? It does not come from me, because she brings stuff together that is just like... I don't know how she does half the stuff she does, but it's a phenomenal thing. And she's had my heart literally since I was 16 years old. I mean, I saw her and I fell in love. It was like love at first sight for sure. Some of y'all are like, it's getting kind of sappy in here. All right, y'all are single. You need to learn some lessons, all right? Scope the church because that's where I met her at. I met her at church. I realized she was single and I was single and this is a good opportunity. But I just, I just know that I would do anything for Amy. I would do anything for her. Like she truly is my all. And, and I, I want her to know that I love her. And I don't just want to say I love her. I don't just want to you know, just talk about how much I love her. I really want to show her that I love her. I want her to know that she means something to me. And that anything that she desired, you know, if it's in my power, I'll do it. Now, oh, dude, I got to give props over here to this guy. This guy, he, he nudged her, he smiled, and he went, mmm. <laughs> Me too. Amen, dude. This dude's catching on. Some of y'all missed your opportunity. You're like, I should have thought of it. All right. You can still do it. Still show some love in the place. It's all right. All right. And uh, it's a good, good God. Oh, man, that's good. Um, but nothing is too out of place for somebody that you love, is it? When they have all of you, you'll just go crazy. You'll do anything. Some of y'all have found your significant other that you know that this is my life, this is the rest of my life, and you found so much joy in that. Some of y'all have celebrated anniversaries way beyond eight years. You've been celebrating for, for many, many years, and you just, you just love life. You love what God's doing. You love what God's doing, and we thank God for that. But I, I want to talk to you today about something that is very, very important that God sees. When we talk about seeing what God sees so we do what he wants us to do, this is kind of one of those visionary moments seeing the vision and doing what we're supposed to do. Um, I want to ask you a question about your heart. Your heart in relationship to who God is. Because we've sing the, sang the song about how God won't relent until he has all of us. He won't stop pursuing us. Sing about the love of Christ and how, how he just wants that personal relationship with us. That you're not some distant number off in the world that he can't relate to that he doesn't know about. We talk about a God who sees you and wants to know you one-on-one. -on -one. He's not some distant figure. He's somebody who he wants your heart, and he wants to give you all of his. And so what I want to share with you today is I want to share with you about your heart and relationship with God, and we're going to talk about some things here, but I want to see if you can pass this little test. This is called the blessed test. The blessed test. And I want to ask you guys a question. And before I kind of get into it, I want to give you a context of the question that I'm going to ask you. In case you didn't know this, about half of the people alive today, over 3 billion people in the world, they live on $2 a day or less. With that in the front of your mind, how many of you guys realize that you are way, 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 way beyond blessed? Put them up. Put them up. I wave them like you just don't care, right? All right, because you know, we're just good. We're just good up in the house of God. And uh, I, I want you to know, we are blessed, man. You're absolutely right. You figured it out. There's good news and there's bad news, though. The good news is that God has blessed us, and we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to have just been born in the United States of America with the freedoms that we have and the liberties that we have and the money that we make and the things that we, we get to call our own and the possessions that we have. Those resources, they're God-given. They're a blessing, so phenomenally understanding that, we, that we're blessed is a good thing to be in. It's good to know we are blessed. There's also some bad news now. Are you ready for the bad news? Say yes. Yes. 
Are you ready for the bad news? Yes. <laughs> You've never been so happy to hear about bad news, right? This is crazy. The bad news is that the chances are that you're a below average giver. Now you're like, whoa, 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 what, what, what? The chances are that you're a below average giver. Studies show us that as our income increases, the percentage of what we give actually decreases. Now, you would think it would be the opposite. The more money that we would make, the more that we'd be willing to give. Now, we all say that, don't we? Well, God, if you would just bless us with, you know, uh, an extra paycheck per, like, every other week, just give me a little extra, and then I'll, I'll give to you more, and I'll do this for you, and I'll do that. And we make all these promises to God, but then in reality, we, even when we attain that, we still don't give. We find other things in our life that, that we feel are more important, and we don't, we don't do it. Just to give you some statistics, in the United States of America, in our country, the average person's income, they, they give 3.1%. Now, not just to churches, to just anything. Charities, churches, anything. 3.1%. That's the average person. But those who make much less than average, those who make $10,000 a year or less, do you hear me? $10,000 a year or less, well below the poverty line, they don't give 3.1%. They actually give 5.2%. Those with less give more statistically. It's just crazy. Like I'm just kind of showing you a fact today. It's just the way that things are. Let me throw this one out. You ready for mind blown? All right, mind blown. Here we go. Those who are extraordinarily blessed, those who make $200,000 a year or more, that's pretty blessed to me. That's like really blessed to me. Um, they're not given 3.1%. They're not given 5.2%. No, actually, they're given 0.07%. Isn't that crazy? Less than 1%. And yet we have that concept. Well, God, if you would just bless my life and give me more, then I would, I would do more and I'd give more and I'd be more of a generous person. I'd be happier. You know, Christmas comes around. I'm going to get all the little kiddos, the little cars they need. and da, 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 da. You know, you have all this stuff in your head, but we don't do it. So for those of us that are below average givers, do not fear. We're not below average at everything. We are above average spenders. Aren't that right? Come on now. That's true. Because, because we have learned in our society, the government has taught us to actually spend more than we have. So we're just kind of following the lead and following the leader. And what we do is we borrow, 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 spend, spend, spend. And we don't have enough to pay all those bills, but we've just learned to, to just do more than we're able to do. And it's not a good thing at all, but our government has taught us this. Here's what I hope that you'll understand today. Here's kind of the goal. The blessed test, God is testing you. God is testing you, and he's testing you right here today. And he wants to know if you're going to be faithful. He wants to know, and here's the question. God wants to know this. Write this in your notes. If you don't have a packet, by the way, we can still get you a packet. We want you to use this time wisely. If anybody needs the packet that you should have got when you, received, when you came into the door, just throw your hand up in the air. We'll get you one. It's got an outline in there. We want you to follow it. Science proves to us that if you write something down, you remember it longer. So what I'd like everybody to do is get that outline out, get your pen out, get it ready, and let me give you the first blank here. It says this. God wants to know, will you love and trust money? Or will you love and trust God? God wants to know, will you love and trust money or love and trust him? Today we're discussing a common lie that the devil wants us to believe. We've kind of been talking about common lies of the devil. And today I got this balloon. And on this balloon it says that church is about money. And I got to tell you, that's the lie that, that, that Satan would definitely want you to believe today. The church, you've heard that before, haven't you? Some of y'all may have said it, and you're like nudging your spouse. I heard you say that. Listen, some of us, we've believed this lie. And, and maybe it's because some of the things that we've seen haven't been used wisely. To just be honest, it's not all your fault. It's not somebody else's fault. Sometimes it's just not been used wisely. It's been mismanaged. 
But the devil would have you to continue to believe that the lie is that church is all about money. And I want to debunk this lie today with the truth of God's word because the truth of God's word can change lives. Can change lives. So I'm just going to debunk that right now. Love you, Rita. (laughs) Here's what the church is about. The church is about lives being revolutionized. Write it down. The church is about lives being revolutionized. It's not about money. Listen, I, I left Ohio. I left a secure job. Me and my wife, we sold all of our furniture. We sold a car. We sold our house. We left our family. We left our friends. We left everything back there because God put a vision in our heart about what church is supposed to be that was too much of a big deal for us to ignore. See, I don't know about you, but I believe that the church is the hope of the world. Amen? Amen. The church is the hope of the world. And when the church rises up and does what the church is supposed to do, oh my gosh, we're unstoppable. Because the gates of hell can't prevail against the church of the living God. Amen? Amen. Nothing can stop the church of the living God. And so church, church is about lives being revolutionized. I realize that church shapes a person's life. It doesn't just shape your children's life. It shapes your life too. It shapes your, your kid's life. It shapes, shapes your teenager's life. It, it shapes, shapes your grandparents' life. It shapes, it shapes everybody's life. When we give God the opportunity to be a part of our life, he wants our heart. I want to keep saying that. He wants our heart. I remember uh, when we were meeting in the, the house, which, by the way, if you're a guest with us, we're still figuring this out. This is not a perfect church by any means. Um, we haven't launched yet. Uh, we haven't begun yet. We're going to try to launch in January. And uh, what, we're not going to try. We're going to launch. But let me just say it like this, all right? We're going to make it happen, but we want to invite you to be a part of the team. We call it the dream team to help us get this thing off the ground because it's a phenomenal thing that God's doing. But I remember six weeks ago, we weren't in this building. We were in my house, in my living room, doing church. And so if you're new today and you're saying, well, I don't have this, and well, hey, we got lots of vision, lots of heart. There's some stuff coming. You just got to communicate with us, figure out where we're going, because we got a lot of stuff getting ready to happen here, and it's going to be so cool. But I got to tell you a funny story, because I, I had a pastor friend who came over while we were meeting in the house, and, uh, and we had you know, our chairs set up, and we kind of had the, the projector going. We had some stuff there, but we didn't have near what we have now, and in my house, I told you, we sold everything to get here. Like, we sold everything. And so after the, after the, the meeting was over for church, he, he says, hey, let me help you set everything else back up. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, no, whatever you got in the garage, I'll help you bring it all back in. Because he's thinking, you know, you got love seats and chairs and a coffee table and all this stuff. And, and I, said, I said, dude, there ain't nothing to set up. We just got a vacuum. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, we just vacuum and then it's there for next week. And he goes, you mean you don't, you don't, and it was kind of one of those awkward, like shock. He, he didn't believe me. So he walked out to my garage and looked, we didn't have anything. And, and you know what? I got to tell you this. We gave up something that was kind of important, you know, like beds and stuff that might be important, but we gave up some stuff because we believed in the vision that God had for this church. And we came here in faith, believing God. He had all our heart, everything. And I've seen, like, I've seen God do phenomenal work in my life. We have stuff now, all right? Just so you know, God, God, don't follow God. You don't have anything. Listen, God has blessed us beyond belief. We don't deserve it. We're ashamed to talk about it. It's just like, God, you're just blowing my mind. It's just, like, it's too much. It's too much. And because I've experienced something so good, talk about found people, find people, we want to share something. I have got to share a message with you today that's going to change you if you get it. 
Listen, this message that I'm about to share with you is not my message, it's God's message, but it will change you if you get it. Because I'm on this side of a fence going, dude, come over here, come on, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is the blessed life over here, and you gotta climb, and it's gonna be hard a little bit because you're gonna have to climb this gate, and it's gonna seem scary, but if you'll climb over this fence and you'll jump on this side with me, you'll never wanna go back to the other side ever again, ever, period. Because it's the blessed life. And what my job as a pastor is, is to share with you what God's word says. And so I want to share and communicate to you what God says about how you can be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? Come on, put them up. You want to be blessed by God? Now, there's not a better person in the world to get a blessing from. Like, I just got to say, like, I can bless you. I'll take you out to Chipotle. We'll get you a burrito. You know, it'll be real good. And you can take me to, like, Jag Steakhouse next time to repay me back. Um, something like that, you know, something like that. And, and we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Um, he said he's in. That's good. Um, here's the deal. The reality is I want God to bless you. I don't want to bless you. If I bless you, you're getting slighted. You're getting cheated. It's no good if another human blesses you. But if God, who controls everything, blesses you, do you think that he knows how to bless he absolutely does. So I want to share this with you and just kind of open your Bible about this topic of money. Because we're going to debunk the lie that says it's, you know, the church is about money. It's not. It's about lives being changed. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 is where we're going to be at. And if you don't have a Bible today, listen, we got the Sky Bible right over here. We're going to throw all the scripture on the screen. You're going to have everything that you need. If you've got your notes, it's in your notes so you can follow along with us. Again, write this down. Utilize this time. It's going to be a great time. Um, Luke 16, 10 says this. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What does this mean? Who will trust you with a truly blessed life? He said, if you've, if you've not been faithful in the little bit that you have, why should I give you more? You know, we all say, you know, once I get a raise, then I'll give to the church. And I really want to, and our heart's there, and we, we, we love it. Once I have a little bit more, if he gets a raise, then we're going to go all in, Randy. We're going to do it. Listen, this verse tells us that God can't trust us with more until we've become faithful with what we have. He can't do it. You see, here's what God knows. God knows that the number one competitor for our hearts is money the number one competitor for our hearts. Truthfully, many of you are going to find this message a little bit defensive as you hear it. You're going to kind of put the walls up. You're going to say, ugh, I just don't know. And the reason why is because money is competing right now for you, your heart. This is a heart thing. This isn't a money thing. God does not need your money. You think God needs anything from us? No. He doesn't need a thing. He ain't lacking on any means, all right? He owns it all. Everybody, everything you see, everything you know. He ain't lacking, Okay. I just want something for you. And this counterfeit God of money is after you right now. So you're going to have to war. It's kind of like you're going to have some tension in the room. But that's okay. I want you to power through it. I believe that you can, by the way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can help you. Money promises something. And I'm going to go through them very, very, very quickly. So listen quick. Okay, listen quick. Here we go. The first one, if you're writing it down, money promises security. If you have more, you'll be secure, right? That's a lie. Money promises freedom. If you have more, you'll be free, right? You can do different things and you have all this freedom. How about the third one? Money promises power. If you have enough, you'll be powerful. Money promises, the last one, if you're taking notes, significance. Significance. 
If you have enough, then you're important. You're somebody because you've got money. But in reality, only God can provide these things. See, only God can provide security. Because think about it like this. You could have a bazillion dollars in the world, but when your kid gets hit by a car and he's laying in a bed, money can't buy everything. When your mom gets cancer, or like my dad had open heart surgery just a month ago, money didn't matter. It just had no significance at all. It didn't mean anything. Money's a counterfeit God. And it tries to tell you that it can provide what only God can provide. Only God can provide security. Only God can give us significance. Only God can give us the power and the freedom that we desire. If you're taking notes, we've already said it. Money is a counterfeit God. It wants us to love money, to worship money and things. And God wants to know, are you going to love and trust money? Or are you going to love and trust me? Now, this is a challenge for us. Matthew 6.24 says it this way. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have two masters. You're either going to be all in. God doesn't want part of your heart. He wants all of your heart. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And let me just say this. Let me, let me just be real honest. Can we, can we be real honest in the church? It is God's house, even though it's a daycare center and we're kind of figuring it out. You're like, what? Um, listen, be real honest in the church. How many of y'all would say, honestly, if I had a little bit more money, I'd be a little happier. Come on, be honest, be honest. If I had a little more wealth, it would make things better and easier. Come on. Very good. I, I, I appreciate your honesty today, and I, I want to share with you God's word. And it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to, do you believe God? That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to, you're going to walk out of here and say, do I believe God? Am I going to like really do that? Like that's action to what I heard, right? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is all vanity. Interesting, isn't it? Whoever loves money never has enough. You notice that? Isn't it funny? We've caught ourselves there. I won't make you raise your hand, but we caught ourselves there. We got the raise, and then we realized that we needed more. And we got the raise again, and we realized we still didn't have enough. We got the raise the third time, or you shifted jobs, and all of a sudden you're doing something better, and, but still you realize, well, we need this and this and this, and we've never gone on a vacation, so we need you know, a gajillion dollars there, and da 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 We figure out where to put that money, don't we? Here's what I want you to write down. This is kind of like main concept. Ready? Write this down. I will give God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. Amen? Amen? I will give God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. Let's let scripture speak to us because there's nothing more powerful than scripture. Leviticus 27.30 says this, and he uses a Hebrew word here named Me'aser, and it, it just means 10%. It means a tenth, okay? It says, in all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, he's saying 10%, a tenth, it's set apart. It's holy to me. It belongs to God. He wants that, okay? A tithe of everything, meaning it, of every increase that you have. If you sell your house for a profit, you give 10% to God. That's what you do. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. It's holy. It's set apart. So very technically, if you're a technical person in the room, tithing is not really even giving. Tithing is returning to God what's already his. Because that already belongs in 10, belongs to him. I need somebody's keys to their car. Come on, who's got it? Forrest? What, what are you driving, man? Honda. Honda. Ooh, I like Honda, dude. They, they run forever. Yeah. <laughs> they run forever. Um, what year? 08. Nice, nice, nice. Forrest, imagine me taking your keys that you just gave to me. I appreciate it. By the, he, I, for, for, for whatever reason, that was quick, too. He's like, yeah, take it, take it. The bomb in it or something. I don't know. He's going to get me later. No, he didn't know I was going to do this, but... He, here, he's giving me his keys. How crazy would it be if I said, hey, Forrest, 
I'm going to borrow this for seven days. And next week when I come in here, I'm going to do something phenomenal for you. It's going to blow your mind what I'm about to do. Forrest, you've let me borrow your, your car for seven days, and you've given me the keys. You let me just do it. You don't even know what I did. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to give you these keys back. <laughs> and when I do, Forrest, I need you to just applaud the crap out of me. Because I just, man, I return to you your keys. And that's a phenomenal gift that I'm giving you. Because Forrest, I love you so much, man, that I'm just, I'm just wanting to bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He did it. Let's think about that example for a second. Isn't that what we do? God says, return to me what's already mine. You're not giving it to me. It's not a gift. It's just returning to me what's already mine. But when we give, don't we just say, God, see, I, I did it. you noticing, God. Put that in the plate there. And you ought to applaud me, God, because I do it. All these other people, look at him over there. I know he ain't doing it. Look at his shirt. He, ain't, he can't be doing it. What? We mess ourselves all up with this way of thinking. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Let scripture speak to you right now, because this is cool. This is the part that I said, jump over the fence, join me over here, watch this. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. We're going to explain that scripture here in just a second. Try me now, in other words, test me now in this, and says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that you don't even have enough room to receive it. Amen? Amen. Wow. The Bible says, bring 10% into the storehouse. It doesn't say, give the tithe, because it's not really ours to give. We just bring it and we return it, because it's not ours. God owns everything. He asked for this, the first and the best 10%. Give it back to him. Here's a good illustration. You ready? This is my most expensive illustration, but it works really, really, really well. Are you ready? Some of y'all are like, he popped a balloon in my face. What's up? All right. Um, I've, got, I've got some $100 bills here. Y'all can say amen, all right? No, I couldn't amen any other part in the message. At least you got one part. I got, I got 10 of them. Here's what God is saying. He's saying, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten $100 bills here that Randy has, and he's been given as an income. What God is saying is, I want you to take whatever income you have, and I want you to give me the very first one that's going to go out of your household. It goes to the church. It goes to, it goes to my house. That's what I require, and I'll bless you. Some of y'all say, well, I don't know if I believe in a prosperity gospel. I'm okay. I don't even know all the logistics of all that, but I do know that if there's one thing that I believe in the Bible that I know that you will prosper from, it's this right here. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Like, you don't have to have a money back here. Like, it's just going to happen. It's guaranteed going to happen. Because he just said that if I'll take this first one and I'll, I'll let it be the first one goes to the church and I'll just take these and I'll just work with these, that, that he's going to do something phenomenal. He's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we don't have enough room to handle what he's going to do. Now that'd be a good blessing, right? Amen. There's too much to handle. You ever had something that's too much to handle, just overjoyed you, just way too much? Dude, abundance of something, that's what God promises. So if, you want, if, you're, if you're messed up in your finance, you can't figure it out, tithe. Give 10% to the church. I don't even need you to give it to this church. Go give it to a different church. I don't care where you give it. It's not about your money. Church is not about money. Church is about lives being changed. And what I want is for you to be blessed. I want you to get it. Because this isn't what I say. This isn't my deal. This isn't what I came up with. This is what God said. And it comes down to, do we believe God? 
can I give you an example? I had a good teaching moment with some of my kids in our children's ministry um, whenever I was back in Ohio. We had uh, a bunch of kids. There's probably 300 kids, but there's one particular class that did a really good job of inviting their friends and participating in the Bible stories and doing things like that. That I said, I just, we just need to do something for them. Like, we just want to bless these third graders. And I love third grade, by the way. Some of y'all that are gifted with kids, we need to connect because we got some cool kids and we need to plug you in. But uh, that's a whole side thing. I love children's ministry, but the third graders got my heart one week and I said, we're going to do something for them. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. So we came up with, we're going to go take them to McDonald's and we're going to bless them all with happy meals and we're just going to see God work in their life and we just want them to know that we love and we appreciate what they've been doing over the past month. Just a special day. And of course, the kids are fired up. They're excited. And I said this was a teaching moment because when we got there, there was about 35 third graders that we went to McDonald's and we ate a meat burger, right? And I didn't order any fries, Okay, I just didn't. I just thought, you know, there's 35 Happy Meals out here, and I'm just thinking, these kids aren't going to eat all these fries, so I'm just going to go and bum one fry over of every kid. There's 35. 35 fries is good enough for me, and I'll be good. It'll give me a reason to talk to them. Hey, man, let me have a fry. So, so I, I literally, I, I remember walking down this little area, and we had all the kids. Of course, they're everywhere, and there's teachers everywhere. And I said, I said, okay, here's the deal. Let me get a fry, man. And the first kid, he looked at me, and it was like, it was like his demeanor changed. <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, he went from happy-go-lucky little Joey to like, oh, Joey, you know, like, you don't touch my fries. And have you all seen Napoleon Dynamite? You know, those are my tots, my tots, right? It was kind of like that moment where he just was not going to let me have them. And I, I said, what do you, I said, Joey, let me just get a fry, man. And like, he wouldn't let me have a fry. And I was like, you, you got to be kidding me. So, so I said, whoa, 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 Joey, 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 group, let's all group up. Let's, let's group up. I said, you don't understand Everybody needs to listen. We, out of the generosity of our hearts, paid for all of your Happy Meals. Out of the goodness of our spirits, we took a bus and we got you all loaded up on it and we brought you to McDonald's and we gave you these Happy Meals. And now I am the Lord of the fries and I want 10% back to the house. And they said, well, we don't want to give it to you. And I said, you don't understand, man. You don't, you don't get that until at least you're in the the sixth grade, like after you're out of the fifth grade, I have the power to never bring you back to McDonald's ever again. Or I have the power to bless you with so many fries that you don't even have enough room to receive it. So they learned a lesson that day and I got my fries, right? <laughs> it's a good illustration. It gets us on point, right? They learned the lesson. Technically speaking, it's not returning the tithe to the Lord. If you're not giving back to him and returning what's already his, we're stealing. Now, Randy, come on now. Where would you possibly get an idea like that? I'm learning y'all's culture. Come on now. Give me props. Ohio people. And <laughs> living in Texas is weird. <laughs> I feel like a mouse in like a little container, right? Everybody looking at me, I'm just weird nod. Yeah, it's it's good. You say, where where does it say that I'm stealing from God? Listen. Very directly in Malachi 3.8, it's pretty clear. Here's what Bible, the Bible says. God's word says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, by you not returning your first and your best, you're not living the blessed life right now. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. He says, you are cursed with a curse, even this whole nation. There are more people who are living the curse than there are that are living the blessed life. 
And again, I say to you, and I implore to you, because it's important, it's not what this church wants from you, it's what this church wants for you. I want you to hop over this fence. I know it's scary. I know you think, I don't know if I can do that. You don't understand my situation. I don't, but God does. And you have to get back to God's word and say, do I believe this? If you believe this, then God will do some stuff in your life. There are... um, We're going to look at three blessings of the tithe. There are three things I want to share with you real quick. The tithe provides for God's work through his church. See, we read it earlier in Malachi 3.10. It said, bring all the tithe, or 10%, into the storehouse. In other words, bring, bring that money into God's house so that there may be food in my house. And that's what's happening today. You see, many of you, you're going to bring your tithe into the house of God, and then we're able to do ministry with it. And when we do ministry, we'll be able to declare God's word in a very clear very real and relevant way. When we do that, you're receiving spiritual food. In fact, for the great news for many of you guys, you guys got saved in this church. Like we're the church that hasn't started yet. We're not the church yet. We're the church that's not the church. It's kind of the weird thing that we can't figure out, right? But 37% of the people that are in the team got saved through the ministry since we started in February. 37%. There's food in his house. But the food can't be prepared in his house if we don't have the tithe coming into his house. Doesn't it just make sense that lives get revolutionized and this is how it works. And so if you're kind of on the outside kind of just coming and watching, you're really not going to receive that blessing unless you're doing and you're actively participating in what God wants for your life. And I want you to experience it because it's the best thing ever going around. In my opinion, and it's solely my opinion, maybe, maybe some other you should agree, but It's my opinion that if the church actually stood up and did what God asked us to do and gave 10% and gave it back to him, returned it back to him, if we actually did that, we wouldn't need government assistance for anybody's help. The church could provide for the needs of the people. The church could be what the church was called to do and revolutionize the city. But the problem is we've left it to the government to figure out when God told us that we're to do it. We're to do it. That's just so, so important, guys. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is that the tithe teaches me to put God first. Now, I can't think of a more tangible and practical way that we can say, God, you're first in my life. You have my heart. Than to say, you know what? The first thing that goes out is right to you. Very first thing. You are first. When you do that, I'm telling you right now, you experience blessing. You just do. Now, I got to be honest with you. I can tell who's a tither in the room and who's not. Not because we're looking at all the numbers and the stats, because I can look right now, and I have the best view in the house, because some of y'all are smiling, chilled, relaxed, nodding, you know, amening. The rest of you guys are like, oh, crud, I wish I wouldn't have came today, right? It's like, really, seriously, what's going on here? And, and so for some of you, you're going, are you telling me 10%? Am I, am I hearing this right? You, you know how crazy that sounds? You don't understand. And you're worried, and you're flipping out, and you're tripping out, and you're going, you have no idea. Do you realize that 10% of my income, if I was to give 10% of my, I wouldn't be able to do this and this. Are you really telling me I need to rearrange and pri- reprioritize everything? Yes, 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 yes. Amen. That's exactly what you got to do. You have to rearrange everything to put God first. I'm not going to make you do it. It doesn't matter. You're going to leave here. You're going to do whatever you want. And I'm totally cool with it because it's off me and it's on to you. I I gave the message. I'm done. All right. But, but the reality is I want the blessing for you. I want you to experience it, but you got to do it, which means some things may may need to be rearranged and reprioritized in your life. You may not drink expensive coffee in order to uh, give God first. Some of y'all get those $7 latte da, 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 desserts, okay? I don't even know what those are. You're like, it's coffee. No, it's a dessert, man. That's a sugar, 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 caffeine, caffeine. Some of you guys may, may go without cable. You know what some of you guys may do? You may have to drive your, your car for three years and, and 
instead of two. Oh, are you serious? In order to put God first, you may have to do that. Some of you guys won't get season tickets to your sporting event. Ooh, let's not talk about that. I don't want to step too hard, right? I want you to reprioritize, and I want you to rearrange and give God the honor of blessing you because he wants to. God wants to bless your life. You keep trying to figure out, and you keep figuring out what's going wrong, and you keep all the budgets going. You're trying to figure out how to get this thing figured out in your life. Let me tell you, you can't figure it out until you do this. You'll always remember this message because just, I'm just telling you straight up. I'm just not even holding it. I'm not even scared. I'm not even nervous. I'm just telling you this is what God says. You'll always remember that I told you that your finances are never going to get fixed until you fix this in your life. It's God. You have to have supernatural on your side. 10% comes back to the church. Offerings are above that. If you want to give an offering to the Lord and just say, hey, man, special gift, man. I want to just hook you up. You give beyond the 10%. That's an offering. Okay? It's God's plan to impact the world. It teaches me to put God first. And then number three, if you're taking notes, the tithe increases my faith in God. Here's what it teaches me. It teaches me that 90% with the blessing of God is so much better than 100% without the blessing of God. Did you all hear me when I said that to you? Listen to me when I say it. Listen, 90% with the blessing of God is so much better than 100% with the curse of God. It doesn't make any sense. You can't explain it. The people that give and tithe and do it, they go, I can't explain it. I just, they just, they're just like, I know it works. That's it. I just, we put it on paper. It doesn't make sense. And God just blesses. It just happens. And it's not always monetarily, but sometimes it is. Sometimes God does bless us monetarily. Sometimes it's just our car drives longer. I drove a 1989 Honda Prelude, and I, I bought it for $750. Shouldn't have ran really at all, but I bought it for $750, bucks and I drove it for six years, and I never changed the oil in it. Y'all don't believe me. I never changed the oil in it. Six years, and you know what? I sold that after the sixth year for $700. <laughs> I lost 50 bucks. I put gas in that thing, and wipers were all... I didn't care. It was awesome. That car's still rolling down the road somewhere, and I know it because that's a blessed vehicle because God blessed that thing. That thing shouldn't even have been running, but it ran and ran and ran, and it was so cool. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Matthew, or I'm sorry, Malachi 3.10 says this. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. Here's what he's really saying. Let me, let me break it down. Um, Dang them platinum style. I don't know. Let me, let me, let me break it down, all right? Uh, <laughs> let's try that again. Um, let me break it out like this. The, basically, the way that he, he's saying it is, I don't want you to just test me. I dare you. No, 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 no. I double dog dare you. No, no, no. I triple dog dare you to test me in this and see if I won't blow your mind. Scripture. You don't have to believe me. It's just scripture. Will you dare God to bless you? By the way, this is the only spot in the whole Bible where you can test God. There's no other spot that I would recommend that you test God. <laughs> but in this, he says, try me now. See if I won't do it. See how much you believe me. Do it. Here's what I want you to do. When you write a tie check, again, you're not writing it to me. You're not writing it to anybody else in this room. You're not writing it even to the church. What you do is you write in the memo section, you write, to God. Just put it in there. You're giving it to him. It's an act of worship to him. You're saying, God, I trust you. You're going to do something here to God. That's what I want for you. I want you to write that. And here's the thing. Everybody in this room is going to have an opportunity to give today. 
Dun, dun, dun. It's coming. It's kind of like the Jaws music starts playing when the bucket gets a dun, dun. Cap, what do we do? Dun, dun. Honey, dun. I got to use the bathroom. Dun, dun. All of a sudden, stuff's crazy, isn't it? Three things happen when you begin to tithe. Number one, you experience God's blessings. Here's what I know. You'll have a sense that God truly is watching over you and cares about what happens in your life. Number two, when you put him first in your finances, you become supernaturally content. You'll find yourself with more joy. You'll find yourself with peace. Number three, you'll end up with more of what matters. Because let me tell you this, being rich toward God is so much better than being rich towards man. Being rich towards God. There's a peace in knowing that God, you asked me to do this and I obeyed. There's a peace that comes along with that. So I, I, I endeavor that for you. Every time I talk about this subject, it reminds me of something very important. We kind of worked our way up to it. There's always a climax to every story, right? So today, the, the climax of the story is this right here, what I'm about to tell you. When you talk about giving, when you talk about God, this always comes to my mind. A verse in the Bible that you're very, very familiar to, I'm sure. If you've never heard of it, I want to quote it to you. For God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave. That blows my mind every time I think about it. That God looked upon us. Man, we're, we're screwed up, aren't we? Now you've met me and you got to hear me preach and you're like, he's jacked up. Um, yeah, I am. Um, but, but the reality is we're all screwed up. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned, fall short of who God is. He's perfect up here, and we're here. But here's the greatest thing about the story that I'm telling you right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that anyone that believes in him, you don't have to be separated from God and perish, but you can have everlasting life. This is huge. The reason I came from Ohio to McKinney is because I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people in this community they're stressed they're worried they're burdened there's a void in their life and they can't figure out what it is I was there too they're worried about how, how they're going to make ends meet they're worried about keeping their marriage together. They're broken. When I think about the fact that God said, I can't keep them that way. I love them way too much to keep them that way. It propels me as a person to do whatever it takes to tell other people about who he is. About how they can have an intimate one-on-one -on -one relationship with God where he can truly come in and they can trust him with their whole heart and he can revolutionize everything. It's such a burden within me today to tell you, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not 100% sure with certainty that if you died, you'd go to heaven, listen, I want to share out of God's word how you can get to heaven. And I want to see your life completely revolutionized and it can happen. Listen, you say, I, you don't know my, listen, I don't need to know it all. God knows it all. It's the greatest thing ever. You don't have to share all your history and your background. Listen, God just wants you today. He wants your heart. So more than anything, 
in this room, I endeavor to tell you about who he is. He gave his son so that we can go to heaven. But here's the deal. The Bible tells us that our good works aren't going to get us there. Us doing good things, us going to church, us giving and tithing and serving, that's not going to get us to heaven. That makes us fall short. So if your answer when you stand before God is, hey, I did a lot of good things, that's not how you go, bro. <laughs> it's just not. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Praying a prayer and asking him to forgive you of your sins. Asking him to be the Lord of your life. Listen, he becomes leader, Lord, and CEO. That's who he becomes. And what he says you do. And when you do that, everything changes. Would you bow your head and pray with me?